0: Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the legend and the voice of all combat sports, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I had a nice weekend. Uh, spent the day yesterday with Tracy Morgan, just a good human being, besides being a funny guy. I don't mean ha-ha funny, I mean uh, funny as making other people laugh. Um Great comedian, great person, comes to my foundation, didn't ask me to go to the Giant game with him yesterday. Normally, that's something I'd be looking to do, go to uh, two teams that are like three and eight, (laughs) Giants and Patriots.
0: It's funny to be rooting for my own team to lose. Now I'm like, if you guys are going to lose, screw it. Let's be the worst. If we can't be the best, be the worst. Let's get a draft pick. So I was praying for them to lose.
1: That's how they start thinking. You're right. Let's lose so we can get... Either that, or I remember years ago when I had season tickets to the Jets game, and took my son Teddy with me all the time because that's why I got the tickets so I could go with him. And they were, with they had um, Rich Coltite was the coach, and I think they they were like one in fifteen, whatever they were. It was pretty bad, and I I think they won one game. So as as it got worse, some of the fans uh, said like you just said, but they had a different incentive. Uh, Some of the fans' incentive, let's keep losing so we get the number one draft pick. And there were other fans in there that were little businessmen, and they were like, no, we got these shirts, you know, uh, whatever, coat tight socks or whatever it was, (laughs) uh, you know, how fans are, you know, something like uh, whatever. And a few more games we lose a few more games, these would be hot items. You know, we're, <laughs> uh, these would be good sellers. We just got to lose a few more. So uh, you never think that there's incentive for losing, but there's incentive for everything in the world. So it just depends on the timing of it and what it is. But it was nice spending time. It was nice to p- spending time with Tracy. It was, we were in his suite, and he had his friends there. And just to be with good people, you know, uh we've it had nothing to do with the football or the bad football it had to do with good people so i i enjoyed that
0: yeah that's always a fun way to watch a football game in the box because you get to be a little bit removed from the crowd but still feel like part of the excitement the um i was gonna say uh, about pro sports in general all pro sports it's a weird profession in that your performance day-to-day is evaluated by the audience and by the fans and the public in general imagine if you were an accountant and doing taxes and made a mistake in the irs called it, and instead of just getting like hey you made a mistake here let's just clean this up why'd you do pop up make sure it's not a crime <laughs> imagine if it got reported in the paper like john smith messed up the uh, tax calculation let's all show up at his office and boom to death yeah. You don't get to get publicly dragged when you make a mistake like you do when you're a coach or a professional athlete playing on a big stage. It's just an interesting dynamic, especially around the holidays. But uh,
1: uh it's part of life in the public domain, you know, in the public eye, you know. That's right. Life in the big apples they say. I mean if that's right. You know, if you're fortunate enough and you wanna be in that domain and you're fortunate enough to be able to be successful in that domain um, that's part of what goes with it, you know. It's 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 just it's part of the deal that you you're in a place where people can have at you, you know. And yeah. uh, you know, just like here, we're in the same position. You know, I was in that position all those years in ESPN, and anything you do publicly, once you become a public figure, uh, the public can you know they can have at you, uh, as they say across the pond with with all our great brothers and sisters have at you we have at you so it's uh but that's part of the price of being able to sometimes follow your dreams
0: but i'm reminded of something you would say and that is that pressure is a privilege that's it's a privilege to have people care if you make a mistake. It seems overwhelming when you're not, when things aren't going well. But it's just basically extreme accountability. Oh, yeah, you get 100%. all the accolades when you win, but you get to get dragged around when you lose. And uh, you know you should embrace that fact that hey. Yeah, I'm getting dragged, but I deserve this. I I, I want this. I want the pr- I want the pressure to have to perform and if you don't, you ain't going to last very long here cuz I think about those things that you say all the time cuz I repeat them to my children. I'm like, I tell my especially Cameron with jiu-jitsu where something where you have little wins and losses every day, right? Did you get submitted on this on this roll? You go again. And I tell him all the time, buddy, you have to have a short memory. If you're thinking about what you did on the last thing, you correct your mistakes. But if you're worried about losing one match or this match, you can't perform like that. Just like golfing. Hit a bad shot, you have to forget about it and get on to the next one. Short short memory, like you would say. Tons of wisdom on this show. Now, listen,
1: everything comes with with something, Uh, you know. Not trying, not putting yourself at risk, not putting yourself out there, not pursuing your That's dreams, right. that comes with a price too. you know yep. it can be called regret sometimes, and that can be a solitary sentence, you know that can be a, a life sentence for some people and and You're as right. I just said in solitude, so yeah we're we're privileged to be able to follow our dreams and to have an opportunity to do things that we want to do, and along with that, yeah. People are gonna have a say. Uh, they're gonna be able to point a finger at you. But again, uh, that's your choice to be in that place. And you're fortunate to be in a place that invigorates you. That that you feel you want to be in. That you could be in a lot. You know, you could be in a. You could be in a quiet. And maybe that's what you want. That's fine. But you could be in a very silent domain of whatever it is you do and um and not feel really a reward uh for that not not really feel that you're you know accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish or really just fulfilling something inside of yourself um everybody should take a risk you know, and and listen. Some people don't get the opportunity. We're blessed just to get the opportunity to take these risks, or uh, the small risks that they are, to put yourself out there where somebody could say something about you. Uh, we're, we're fortunate. We're we're blessed to have that opportunity. Some people aren't blessed with that. Some people don't have an opportunity uh, to do some of the things that they may have envisioned or they may have given some thought to, and they don't get that opportunity. Uh, the saddest ones are the ones that could have the opportunity, but they're you know, uh, they they just hesitate to go out there on a the branch a little bit yep. and take that chance, and then years later that. They're wondering about what would have been, could have been.
0: All an exercise in risk and reward. Like, everybody wants rewards, but not everyone's comfortable taking the risk, even if the risk risk in their, um, in, in their imagination is public humiliation or embarrassment. Oh, you said that, you're an idiot. You have to learn to, like, as you know, just shrug it off. And I mean, as long as your intentions are good and you're making mistakes at full speed, like I always tell kids when they're playing sports, make a mistake, but don't be out there... You know, pussyfoot and go 100 miles an hour. If you're going to make a mistake, make it fast and get it over with. But when you're out there tentative, and the same thing applies to every aspect in life, if you're out there tentatively trying to test the waters, maybe you want to be a social media person and you're putting out half-assed content, you have to jump in with both feet and say, I'm here, here's what I'm doing and take the criticism for what it's worth and learn to take some shots and move on. And, and it, you, you don't get the big reward without big risk. It's just impossible. It's the way the universe works.
1: A hundred percent. And speaking about being blessed, uh, I was just, I was feeling sorry for myself earlier uh, the other couple of days ago thinking about, I and mean, forgetting how blessed I've been the last four years that my daughter and her husband and her kids, their kids, have been living with me for the last close to four years, me and my wife, and now they bought a house in Jersey and they're getting ready to move right after the holidays and it's getting you know it's hitting me now like these are my kids <laughs> you know even though they might they they might have an argument with that we might wind up in court but um uh, they uh, they're, they're my kids now and and you're taking them away and you know i i know i'm being a grandfather right now but um i i just you know it, it's difficult that it's the moment's this close now It was put off. It was put off. And now it's this close. It's weeks away. And they're going to be leaving. And it's like hitting me now. Where, wow. um, You know, obviously I'm blessed. They're not, they're only 55 minutes away. But living here, having them every morning jump on your bed and wake you up, wake you up
0: i can tell how much you're missing just by the fact that you're telling me that they're 55 minutes away and not rounding up yeah they're an hour away no 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 50 55 minutes 42 seconds with traffic 48 seconds yeah,
1: and they and they're leaving in 11 days and two hours <laughs> and you know so uh, again you know it's just there's something special about being in the house and who knows what you're going through. And then all of a sudden, some little voice screams, Papa, through the house, you know. And yes, I love you. Uh, oh, I love you too. I mean, there's just something to be said about those little gifts of things like that.
0: Well, Cameron told me to tell you that Cameron told me to tell you that you're still invited to come visit us anytime you want. He wants to take you to a Predators game Probably and have nice. you come down and train with him for a weekend.
1: Well, tell Cameron I'll take him up on that. Um, I'm uh, serious.
0: He's he's mentioned it more than once. That's very nice. You're, you're so open team. invite anytime you'd like to come down. You're welcome.
1: Well, that, I appreciate that. Um, I I just. Uh, have to figure out when we could do that but I appreciate that but I was I was joking with Sam um before that I was trying to close the door to my office and it wouldn't close and I say I, I don't know if, if it's the weather or the kids just one of the other things that got uh a little uh, a little um used um, beaten up if you will over the last four years can, <laughs> having kids in the house with you for four years like having—it's <laughs> it, it, like, like you start looking around like Elaine's saying now we can fix a few things like you start <laughs> looking around at the, the walls this, that I mean it's beautiful you, you don't even think about it because the fun that's connected to it the love that's connected but then you look at it and you say yeah that has been banged around a little bit you know (laughs) over the last four years but to me it's it's like having termites except they're cuter you know what i mean They're, they're they're cute termites
0: um when i when we moved from new york city to westchester county when the kids were really little right before cameron was born we um one day the, the guest bathroom toilet was clogged and I'm like man it's only me and Shelby and the kids and I'm like I don't I don't even use this toilet I go the kid must have put a ton of toilet paper down there so I'm plunging it it won't go and I'm like I can't it, it, it's spotless and it's Long story short, I call a plumber. He comes. He's like, ah, takes the whole toilet outside, tips it upside down. And there's like a bunch of Legos jammed in in such a way that like he's like, oh, you got all the Legos in here. I got to break them up to get them out. I'm like, they must have just stuffed so many in there until they wouldn't stuff in anymore. They couldn't even flush down the drain. But that was one of those ones where I'm like, good Lord.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I buy the kids Legos. I love when they put (laughs) stuff together. It's better if they don't put it together in the toilet. But but when they <laughs> but when they put stuff to maybe you gave them a Lego submarine because they Legos everything. <laughs> but when you when you put Legos together and you see a kid put it together, it's like wow, it's it's, it's actually a very good toy. It makes the mind work, hundred um, percent. It, it brings out creative uh, juices in them. They maybe they'll be an architect someday. I always love when they play with the the Legos. The last thing I complain about is I was got the mail today before we came on the air here <laughs> and I got another one of these I'm an idiot I am but I got another <laughs> one of these $50 freaking camera tickets that the city's got although I don't know if you uh, got them in your in Tennessee uh, Ken they,
0: now, I know what you uh, mean let me, I've let me them tell before. you
1: they, uh, 25 mile an hour uh, zone 25 miles an hour who can drive only twenty-five miles an hour. Oh, tell me, and, That's crazy. and it's it's not in a school zone. It's just they put them up. They put them up randomly wherever they want to make obviously money for the city, extra money to. to to get you in more ways than they already got you they already got you every <laughs> which way to sunday with taxes and everything else and with the price of everything and that they, they already and the tolls and I, i'm i'm sounding like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm i'm sounding like an old man here that that's grumpy, grumpy old man a grumpy old man
0: but you definitely have your channel locked to fox news <laughs>
1: but let me tell you it, it's it's ridiculous so i got another one here's what's really ridiculous and really, I shouldn't be saying this publicly. I really shouldn't. My daughter yelled at me. She said, Dad, it's your sixth one in the last two, two months. And it's the same road. And I'm like.
0: <laughs> that's I, unacceptable. I'm that's sorry. Un- I'm I wouldn't
1: and, go. And I know where it is. Yeah. I know where the camera is. now on, no more. I know where the camera is because at night, it lights up. And I'm like, oh, they got, <laughs> damn it. They got me again. So, but it, I forget. And and it's that one spot. They these guys must <laughs> they must have planned this thing out. It's the one spot where you speed up a little bit to get up the hill, and and boom, it's right there. And you forget. Uh. And and like I said, how do you go 25 miles an hour? Really? How's that possible? So I'm getting tickets for going like 35 miles an hour, whatever the heck it is, um, because they posted on there, and and they're 50 dollars each, and and nicole's like that you gotta stop i said i'm gonna go tear that camera out i'm gonna well, <laughs> I, I i i really i if i knew how to do that and always was say well listen I,
0: you know that in london they have more of those cameras than they know what to do with and they basically give you a uh i think it's called like a an uh, emissions tax so if you drive your car within certain limits of london every car They take a picture, they send you a bill for driving because they're trying to cut down on emissions. Can you imagine this level of control? And there are groups of people in London that go around like apparently smashing and destroying and dismantling them because it's literally like, I don't uh, bl- like a communist state. I'd be with state. them.
1: I'd be with That's them. crazy. If they need funding for that, I'll send them funding for that instead of my $50 tickets to go and dismantle and, to go and, dismantle and destroy. If, if they put up <laughs> something like a GoFundMe fund that I can send them a few bucks, you know, to help their group. <laughs> a vigilante yeah, group? Yeah, whatever, but they're not hurting nobody. They're destroying freaking cameras. If, if they <laughs> i i, I helped them i will I, i'll send them a little check but if i made
0: a mistake about anything in london to the brits i'm sorry but i know there's something to that effect but they have the cameras what you're describing like times 10 of what staten island has they're everywhere
1: the thing that gets me with these tickets is i look at it and look, it's my own stupidity that I get freaking six tickets in a freaking couple months at the same damn camera. I mean, that I keep forgetting. I I'm thinking about putting a note on my Pfizer. You know what I mean? Like like on on, on, on the on my dashboard that says, "Remember, ticket camera. Remember." <laughs> uh, and 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 you know, just so I can look at it and say, like, "Oh yeah, uh, let me let me be let me be careful now." The the final thing I say about it is that that really gnaws at me is that the city really. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure some people agree, some people don't give a damn, but it doesn't touch on them. But for all these policies, all these things they do, all the ways they find to grab money from you, if we did it, we we would they we'd be in violation of. They'd be looking to put us in jail. They they'd be coming up 100%. with they'd be coming up like a with a Rico Act, uh, you know, to say, oh no, <laughs> you you can't do that. There's a you, you know, if we ever use the same sort of thinking and formulas, you mean
0: like in, you mean like insider trading, Nancy Pelosi? All of it, yeah. It's absurd, <laughs> but but
1: but less than that. If, if we did any of the things that you know they uh, that they find a way to just to squeeze money out of you we'd all be arrested for like they'd say oh you you know you're shaking people down 100 percent. they would call it they would literally call it a shakedown and and what they do putting cameras up for 25 miles an hour that's not a shakedown that's that feels like a shakedown
0: i could see if it was a school zone yeah okay 25 is a little quick for a school zone but if it's not a school zone it just seems like a money grab
1: yeah a shakedown all right that's that's, (laughs)
0: well let's let's move speaking of shakedown let's talk about someone who got shaken down very badly uh and i was quite surprised i'm curious to get your thoughts here david benavidez beats the brakes off bubu andrade Andrade, and uh interesting thing here i thought andrade won the first two rounds i was like damn this is gonna be a really competitive fight bubu was in like a low stance wasn't really using his height but he was in there he looked like he was strong Looked like he was moving the ball the right way down the field, but my God, Benavides! I have a newfound level of respect. I knew he was tough, rugged, and smart, but the way he just adapted and adjusted and just kept pouring on the pressure—I thought the stoppage, by the way, was perfect. then we didn't need to see another minute of that. I think as soon as Benavides realized that Bubu Andrade, unless someone gave him a hammer, he wasn't going to hurt Benavides with everything he had. He. Benavides is like indestructible the guy is like he's mean he's big strong he looked like the much bigger guy and he just imposed his will on him I mean the body shots he was hitting Andrade with like I could feel them in my own house I was like good lord he's gonna like stop this guy early if he keeps landing those and he eventually stopped him I I, I couldn't have been more impressed with Benavides. but more importantly I'm curious to hear what you think am I like way off base here or did you see it as destructive as I did
1: um He was too big, too relentless, too determined, and too confident. Um, I think that's a good place to start. I thought Andre showed a lot of heart. Did himself proud as far as the best that he could do with the situation he was in, with the equipment that he had.
0: I should have said that. He he showed tremendous heart. I don't want to take anything away from his toughness because I thought that he was much tougher than I had envisioned.
1: A lot of people would say that he fought the wrong fight um, by fighting in close quarters and spots and trying to bully the bully and all that stuff, that that whatever. I attack that right away. Where, yeah, it's easier to say, you know, he should have picked spots, moved all night, been Muhammad Ali. How many people could be Muhammad Ali? First of all, how many people have that ability to do that? But Ali couldn't even do that against Frazier. Now I know it was after a layoff. It wasn't the same alley. But when you're in there with somebody that determined, that big, that relentless, it's hard to fight the fight that we want him to fight. We want him to stand on the outside, jab, make the ring bigger, change the geography, keep it on the outside. He comes in, you step out, you counter, you move to the side, you give back. It's it's beautiful when it's done. But to do it against a guy for 12 rounds that... Is this puts, applies this much pressure with that, with that much force behind the pressure? <laughs> it, it, it's a lot easier said than done. And the thing I say about that is that in a fight plan, we had the right idea, where and that's Andre had the same idea. That he would have to slow him down in order to fight that kind of fight, but he had to do something or so. So he did. Andre had the right idea. He figured, I pick spots inside, then I'll go back outside. Uh, I'll bend my knees, like you said. I'll grab the floor. I'll be on the outside. I, I'll control the outside, the the outside portion of the of the ring, where I'll keep him at the end of the jab. Uh, I'll make him. You know, I make him pay for real estate. He tries to come in. I get off combinations, uh, and then, and then I change position again. I move. I give him an angle. Uh, I try to keep him a little bit behind me. Make him pay for a price. And every once in a while, when he puts the earmuffs on, which we talked about in the fight plan, I try to split the guard with the uppercut, slow him down, which he did, slow him down a little bit, get his respect. Uh, you know, get his attention. Uh, do something to give me a chance to box a smart fight but there had to be with that the ability to slow him down the ability and and the and the risk of that you stay there a little too long the risk that you get inside and then maybe that winds up taking a little too much out of you um and and the and the Thing that's not quantified here, that people can't quantify, they can't see it, they can't put their heads around it, because it's hard to see it. Uh, it's it's not as tangible as seeing the punches that land, but just the damage that that presence, that 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 just force of nature, if you will, of a man coming at you, how that will wear you out, how how that will wear and tear at you psychologically. You know, emotionally and physically, uh, I thought that he had the right idea, but the application—he just couldn't apply it consistently. He couldn't get it done. And again, if he was Ali and he could he could twinkle toe all night long, pop pop pop, move to the side, pop pop, and and actually do that for twelve rounds—that's what will. That that is the answer. That that is the perfect you know scenario if you could paint up a scenario of winning against a guy like Benavides when you're a guy like Andre yeah but again a a big gulf of a difference maybe a grand canyon of a difference between understanding the picture of doing that the idea of doing that the theory of doing that and the actual execution of it um i thought andre did the best he could he got broken down uh, again teddy could he have stayed outside a little bit more made himself a little less of what you don't think that guy you don't answer the door and there's a bill collector you think he's going away well, he was a bill collector, better he. He wasn't. That's a, that,
0: that's a good analogy. He wasn't going away. He
1: wasn't going away. There's no
0: one home. <laughs> I'm coming in anyway. I'm coming
1: anyway, and I'll freaking keep coming, and I'll keep coming, and I'll keep coming till I get my freaking bills paid. And that was better so, so, yeah. so, so yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's the situation Andre had. The guy ain't going away, and you know, even even if he moves. Even if he does that, the guy's still coming. This guy's still coming. And unless you can do that at a very, very high level, uh, it's, it's easier said than done. And he, he did everything he could for what he had. Uh, he showed me tremendous heart that I didn't know if Andre really had that. Could he have been helped a little bit if throughout early in his career? before he got to the age he's at now, and of course, Benavides is about nine years younger, could could Andre have been benefited by maybe fighting some fights earlier in his career that prepared him for this a little bit? That got him ready for the, you know, for the higher temperatures uh, in that furnace that can, can that square circus can, cir- circle can be a, a furnace. <laughs> it's just a matter of what temperature that Furnace is at at that moment. Could he have been put in there where early in his career or during his career where he would have felt a little bit of more, you know, more heat and, and possibly understood how to deal with that heat a little bit better and been better for it? That, that he would understand what that heat does to you, that he would understand better of what he needed to be to deal with that heat, or, or maybe even more importantly, that I talk about all the time, to know that he could deal with that heat. Because up until Saturday night, he never really knew it because he never experienced that. And they handpicked guys. He stayed undefeated. He won titles. I'm not knocking him, but he—they never took a fight. And look, a lot of guys didn't want to fight Andre because of his style, his talent. It was hard to look good against him. It was hard to beat him. I couldn't make a lot of money with him. He wasn't an exciting guy that made exciting fights. So they weren't going to pay you, you know, a Brink's truckload of money to to fight the guy. So I understood, or I understand all those things, but still. They they were very, very selecting opponents that they did pick and nothing in his resume that ever was there to prepare him for this. Uh and and I'm not saying he had to fight a guy exactly like Benavides, uh I'm saying but something where it's going to again make him answer some questions that you don't want to be asked for the first time in a ring with a guy like Benavides. to ask you those questions. Can you tolerate this? Are you ready to tolerate this? And he never really got asked those questions to not, not to the g- degree that he would need Saturday night, but look, he did the best he could. I'll say it again with what he had, uh, Benavides, I want to give him credit. I want to give him credit that he had a fight plan. His fight plan basically was apply pressure but also break down the body. And he did. Go to the body. He I love the way he he was very selective for his punches. The right time with an uppercut. The right time with a body shot. Consistent with that. Uh, consistent with the pressure all night. All night. But also consistent with the body work. You know. Consistent with the, uh, like I said, uh, a good vision of the field where he he saw okay it's time for an uppercut it's time to go to the head it's the con- and and the knockdown uh, unfortunately the commentators missed it but that knockdown when he scored that that knockdown in uh, what was it, the fourth round whatever round that was when when he scored that knockdown with the right hand all they said was big right hand it was set up with a subtle move see they're making him just a big monster the mexican monster but he was a smart monster because he dipped a little bit he made a little dip on his right side and then came with that little dip disguised to punch enough to land cleanly with andre where he couldn't see it coming and um so he showed me those things now look he took some punches too he he took but that was part of it too his chin his attitude you know he the punches he took, some of them were good punches by Andre that would have affected a lot of other guys. You could say, well, Benavides is bigger. He benefited from being, he also benefited from being Benavides, uh, Benavides, a determined, proud guy <laughs> that has a constitution and has a mindset that he refused to be hurt because those punches yeah. still could have hurt him. But, but he yeah. had that, he had that, Resolution, that that resolve, that that top guys that have great chins have to have. Like, I refuse to allow this to impact me. And if it does, I'll, I'll push past it. And those punches on him had the effect, I've said this before, they had the effect that raindrops have on a windshield. They just splashed yeah. off. They splashed off, and that's discouraging. Uh, Andre knows he's landing big shots, and and the guy's walking right through them. So his ability, and I'll put it out there: I don't know if he could do that with Canelo. I don't know if he could be if he ever fights Canelo. I, and that's what we want next, because if Canelo's going to call himself one of the greatest Mexicans or be called that and accept those accolades, then. And and the top one sixty eight pounder that he has to fight Benavides has to fight Benavides to to justify that he has. I don't to.
0: see how he avoids him in twenty twenty four. I I gotta believe that fight's gonna get made. I mean, to Canelo's credit, I mean he's been in there with B no, he's No, no, definitely he been in there with some killers. But Benavides ain't going anywhere.
1: And and if he does, and people say, oh, he'll be too relentless, he'll be too aggressive. Don't fool yourselves. And and I'm sticking up for Canelo who hates me because I said he's not the greatest Mexican. But again, just I say what I believe, not based on biases or anything personal, based on what I believe and not based on who I want to make happy or who I don't want to make happy. Based on what I, I'm i consistent saying, only what I believe <laughs> and what my judgment tells me in this business. And being Consistent with that, don't think so quickly that if Benavidez fights Canelo, he could just walk forward the way he did with Andre, because the punches that will land on him will have more consequence. They will have more impact. They will be harder yeah. than the punches thrown by Andre, and Benavidez will have to be cognizant of that, and he will be. But he have to, and that will slow down his aggression. That will temper his aggression that you saw the other night and I can see it. You could say, who could stand up to this? Who could stand up to this? And I can see you saying that. But it depends who is chucking the punches at you. And <laughs> and and in this with a Canelo who punches harder and more solid, he will not be able to. Continue fight at that kind of pace and sometimes even reckless pace where he walked through a few punches, where he came in maybe a little bit too fast. He will, for no other reason, out of respect for the power, out of being responsible, out of being a smart fighter, he will have to slow down and be, be more contained with his pressure he was that night so that would make it interesting um and if we get to that fight and me evaluating that fight
0: what do you think about benavidez versus anyone at 175 specifically let's say Bevo
1: different animal Bevo is big Bevo can handle uh he's been in those precious situations he's gotten the answers that andre didn't have going in there he's gotten those questions answered he knows what he can handle and he's a bigger man. He's a, he's a whole different style, you know, uh, where he fights that style. He's, he's lived with that style. He's, been, he's gotten to where he is with that style, getting punches off, controlling range, stepping out, moving to the side. He's shown he can do that throughout a, a long night uh with a dangerous guy with a guy who's looking to come at him it would be it would be very interesting but i'd still probably i i have a hard time going against beevo because it, it wouldn't be the same picture it wouldn't be the same movie it wouldn't be the same yeah. video that you saw the other night beevo's harder to hit beevo bigger he's longer he i don't know if he's longer with his arms but he's he is more experienced at fighting the fight that he would have to fight uh, in these quarters to, to deal with a guy like Andre. He, he'd have something to give Andre uh, to worry about. Like I said about Canelo, Andre couldn't just, not Andre, Benavides, I'm sorry, couldn't just walk in uh, and and have the pleasure of just coming in 100 miles an hour uh, the way he did in certain spots. He'd have to slow that speed down and maybe not go over 40 for, you know <laughs> there, there'd be a state policeman there saying you're gonna get it you you're gonna get a ticket
0: I love that possible the possible matchups for Benavidez at 175 I don't see anyone at 68 doing anything with him other than the canelo but I you know even that's a tough fight but he'd have to get past of...
1: from a management standpoint uh and a proper just a proper standpoint of of conducting your career in a responsible professional manner, he'd have to get past Canelo first. Then, yeah. then you got bigger fish to fry or different fish to fry. Uh then then you have different challenges. Now you think about the 175, if it's in you, in you to, to have that legacy. And I think it would be in him. I think it's in his bloodlines. So then you would say, okay, uh now we think about the the, the Beavles, we think about, uh, you know, the, um, uh, who's... Better BF. Uh, better BF, who's getting old. It would have to be soon. Yeah, he's forty right. He's 40 years old now. so and
0: Dealing with some injuries.
1: Yeah, so he's getting old. So, uh, uh, you know, and he's been a rock. And when you chip away at that rock for 40 years, <laughs> the rock starts to, you know, you never know when that rock's going to show somewhere in tear. And all of a sudden, it's, it's not the rock anymore. So that would have to come pretty soon if that was to come but he has to get past canelo for any of these scenarios he'd have to get past canelo and then he could think about that but again a whole different ball game whole different animals there um but you know he beat a guy who was a middleweight uh throughout his career the guy moved up yeah but 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 a good guy good point a a good guy a a, a good guy a good defensive guy a guy that controls range a guy that can punch pedigree olympic Olympic yeah can punch a little bit uh he can punch pretty good uh you know and and a guy who showed he showed the fighter's spirit that night uh but he 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 was able to do the things that took a you know that kind of I'm not going to say broke that spirit, but definitely, definitely broke the man down. You know, the spirit was still there. I give Andre credit because he was he didn't get to that place where people get to where he was just surviving. He was still trying to win. He was still trying to punch in between punches. He was still trying to land that big punch to, to change things. Uh, as Fedevitas came at him, he was still... It was still behaving the way that you want to fight it to behave. Uh, yeah. You and, know
0: what's you know what's crazy when you think about Benavides. I was talking to a friend, Vince Cummings, uh, this morning. Benavides is going to be in his thir- still in his twenties in four years. Well, He's only twenty six years old. Yeah. yeah, but I think when you think in four years, he still won't be thirty. Like really, puts it into perspective of how much can be accomplished in the course of four years. It's uh I mean it's crazy to think that he's that young with that kind of confidence and experience that he has. I mean, he's been around a long time, but no one's beaten him. He's he seems to be gaining momentum like you would say. He gets tougher with the tight with the He titles. had problems
1: early in his career. Yeah. Um we all have problems. We all have to go through the maturity process and the growing up process right. of trying to become men, better men, better people. And He's matured. You can see it. He's matured. I I love the focus when when that when they were standing there in the ring. Sometimes this means something. Sometimes you're not sure what it means. But I know what I think it means. something. and I looked at the focus on Benavides, and I was like, whoa, whoa, this this guy's he's, he's there. He he is locked in, and there's no doubt. What the outcome of this fight's gonna be, and that's how you—that's that's right. how you gotta be, and that's how he fought. There was no doubt. There was no that's doubt exactly right what the outcome was, and it's hard to beat a guy with that attitude, with with the yep. tools and the you know the abilities to go along that he has to go along with it. Um, I mean, fighting him, I tell you, it's it's like what what was that storybook guy that had his thumb in the dike you know the dam to keep it from exploding um
0: yeah i know the story but i don't know who the character was with the finger in the dike but i know very very well what you're talking about yeah
1: to you know to keep to keep the water from coming and yeah how long can you keep your finger in that dike before the floodgates uh before the force of that water just breaks through Uh, only so long and that's kind of probably the best way i could finish with an analogy of describing that fight. You know, Andre was the guy with the finger in that dike the best he could, brave as hell, trying to keep that freaking, that dam from crashing in with that force of all that water from, from breaking through. But eventually, the water broke through. Eventually, the force was too great. And the force of... Benedavitus at the end of the day was uh, was too great. He like I said, simple things he knew that he wasn't leaving that ring without the conquest with, without conquering, without fulfilling the picture that he had in his mind. I mean he, he yep. said it he said it before the fight and he said it with confidence he didn't say it with bravado. Well, people That's just right. say things to promote. He said, "I'm I'm going to show you, and I'm going to win, but I'm going to stop him." He said, yeah. uh, you know," and he said in very, very certain tones or oh, uncertain. There's tones.
0: a handful. There's a handful of guys like um, like Benavides, and I'd put um, Terrence Crawford in that category, or even like a better Bev is like they're scary guys like they they're they're serious they they bring the heat there's never i never get the impression like oh he's just talking shit trying to talk himself into it when they say those things i'm I'm gonna do this there's a guy that grew up i believe he
1: grew up in a boxing family he grew up you know it's it's in his bloodlines there's there's a there's a difference there's there's, that's right there's, there's a difference with that and um you know, because you're around it, it doesn't intimidate you. It's something that you're born into. It's something that you've been around. Other people do it. It's it's, it's something that just you, you get to that point. Like it's what I'm supposed to do. It's what I'm supposed to yeah. be. You know, uh, that's the difference with guys in the in the MMA with a guy like Khabib and the people that come from that part of the world. They they grow up with with like a. a a warrior's mentality it's part of the culture it's part of the teaching it's part of the development that you're supposed to be a warrior it's not that's right uh, you're not intimidated by the thought of that when when you're 15 years old because when you're 6 and 7 and 8 it, it's it's been taught to you it's been around you it's been you know immersed into you uh you know uh they're wrestling bears for god's sakes now look (laughs) i know it's not a grizzly bear out of the i get it but just the idea that they're doing that to get rid of those certain failings certain weaknesses if you will human nature weaknesses of being intimidated by things that should intimidate you not everyone goes through that process And when you grow into a family, a fighting family, that process is part of your development. And it gives you an edge. It gives you an edge. And
0: and to your point, it's... They have that same mentality, even when they're on the wrong end of a beating, which was the case for his brother Jose Benavidez, who got taken apart by Jamal Charlo in his comeback fight, Jamal charlo,
1: two different people thought, though two different before you go of two different every same family, but everyone has their own temperament, everyone has their their own core of what they are, and different people Benavidez, you know uh he he fought you know he fought strong in spots uh he fought you know out of his weight class uh to you know in in that fight with charlo but a, a whole just uh, you know two different people but go ahead go ahead
0: the point the point i was going to make is different people certainly in type in terms of the skill set but the mentality seemed... to Jose Jose was fighting like David, only he was losing, but he kept coming forward. I mean, some of the shots he got hit with, I couldn't believe no, he was still
1: He only fought in spots. It's like he fought more... <laughs> he did a great job for the position he was put in as an underdog with a bigger guy who's a champion, who's undefeated. <laughs> um, he did a good job, but... He fought, and that's where he's different than his brother, where he comes up short. He was fighting where he was satisfied to do enough to lose that's a good point. in a in a brave way, in a acceptable right. way, in a in, yeah. a in a in a respectful way.
0: I think that's an important element for the people listening. Not a lot of people are going to get this kind of breakdown from the other analysts on TV, but I think that you hit the nail right on the head. This is perfect description. Keep going. I'm sorry. No, no. I just want to make sure people are paying attention.
1: That's where it differs. You're right. He's got talent. You're right. He's got this. He's got that. He comes from the same family. But the attitude, the core of what makes us all us, he... He has lost twice at the higher level before. He lost to good fighters, but he's lost every yeah. time he stepped up. Danny Garcia, Terrence Crawford, two tremendous fighters. <laughs> um, talk about Benavides, the smaller, the older, but the smaller Benavides <laughs> that just fought Charlotte. <laughs> but he, where the younger brother showed that. There's only one end result for him to win, or to to keep going till you get to where you got to get to. To enough is never enough until it's over. That's then. Then you can say it's enough. That his attitude of the younger brother who who beat Andre, his attitude is to to find a way to go into other rooms in your house, to 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 just. Keep marching forward. Uh, there's more turf to take. There's more property to take. There's more territory territory to to take over. Uh, you know, uh, we're not satisfied with just a good battle. We're winning the battle. We're not satisfied. Benavidez is
0: the gang, Genghis Khan of boxing, conquering everything.
1: Exactly. And where the brother was, as I already said, you could see fighting the spurts, doing just enough to hang in there and to lose in a respectful way. Uh, look, he's trying to win. He's trying to win. But he ain't prepared to go to the place that you have to go to in these kinds of situations to win. Where, in his mind, he might be going there. In his mind, he might be going there. But in reality, he's not. In reality... In reality, there, there's a cutoff for him <laughs> that's acceptable. There's no cutoff for people like his brother. There, there's no cutoffs. You keep going. It, it's, it's not a matter of, you know, a, a, a line being there where, okay, you got to that and you satisfied your contract. You satisfied your contract with yourself. You, 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 you did yourself proud. Uh, no. No. You 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 have an acceptable effort. No, there's only one effort. There's more to be done. Do it. There's you know. Get to the get to that place, and some people get to their place, and their place is to have satisfied an effort that they can live with that they can publicly live with, that I put forward an acceptable performance. And there's the other ones that nothing is acceptable except complete victory, except complete domination if that's possible. But that attitude is always possible. The The result of it's not always possible, but the attitude to get full domination is always possible, always. And that's something that calls to these people, that, that demands from these people, that, that, that just that orders these people to have that sort of mindset. And there's other ones that aren't ordered in that way. It's not called to them. It's not demanded from within. And the younger, better be, he, was, he was smaller. He had an uphill battle. Uh, he, he landed. He showed a great chin. He showed heart. He always shows heart. He showed heart. He's, he, he took some really big uppercuts, big right hands. Um, you know, uh, did not allow them. To take them to a place where maybe other people would have been taken to, to to give in, to break down. But there's always a give in. We can always find a way to do more. There's always a compromise in life. People don't like it, they're not comfortable with it. They hear it. That we compromise ourselves every day. <laughs> we we disguise it if we can, but there's always a little compromise. In, in what for the most part, and and what we do, and and finding a way to to do something that's a little more convenient, uh, and and a a little less difficult, or a little less dangerous, if you will, or a little less testing uh, of of oneself, and I'm saying there's a little compromise in a guy like. Benefit. Maybe it's uh an older benefit. Maybe it's a lack of talent at that level. Maybe you could say that. But the things I'm talking about falls into the category of talent. I consider it talent, your mindset, your attitude, your ability to go further, your ability to push certain certain things that threaten us, that 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 hold us back, that beg us to compromise ourselves, to 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 thought to thought those things off. That's a talent. That's part of the talent package for the greats. Ali had it. You know, the, the great ones had it. The the uh, Sugar Ray Leonard had it. I mean, the, Sugar Ray Robinson had it. I mean, I, I go down a list of guys that had it. Not everyone has it. That doesn't mean they can't be a champion. That doesn't mean that they can't be a top fighter. I'm just saying they can't be that. And the younger Benavides can't be that. And he needed to be that if he had a chance to upset the apple cart. And it was all stacked against him. Charlo's people picked the right guy. To come back, they picked a smaller guy who had lost at the top level, who had the right name, would give a good enough performance to test their guy to see where their guy was at. And, and, And Charlo did a good job. Charlo, Charlo looked good considering the demons he's been there, de- and you can see those demons are still there in the in the interview afterwards. You can see it. You can see his face. You can see his eyes. They're they're dimmer than they used to be. They're not as bright. They're not as shiny. He's not as cocky as he once was, if you will, confident. Whatever you want to call. Well,
0: you could see for me with Charlo, you could see someone who was appeared to still be going through something heavy he looked like that's what i'm saying he's still well that's why i
1: just said he's still not there he's still he's still not out of that fog he's still battling those demons uh there's you know he's trying to keep that door bolted but they're banging at the door and and god bless him i give him credit i I never liked to charles a lot I never loved them. I was never in love with them. Their their whole mannerism, their whole way of, their, like like they were, they they to me they were like the Kardashians. You know what I mean? They were like they were they were like the they, they were like the privileged one. and they behaved that way. And look, I know they came from where they came, and I give them credit for what they did and what they've done. Uh, you know, uh, to battle to that place. But once they got there, just they they. They just look like the, you know, like the ones with their nose up in the air, like like not yeah. not, not the people you'd want to be hanging out with. And and look, they're good and they're tough, uh, all that stuff. But I was never. I got more admiration for this charlo now. I do. I I, I this, because I know. I don't know exactly, but I know enough of what he's battling. I that, and and what that battle can be with mental illness, with other things. And his lifestyle might have been part of it back then. I'm I'm not dismissing that. All I'm talking about is where he is and where he's trying to get to and where he's coming from. And he's fighting more than just an opponent. That's right. uh, You know, in flesh and blood.
0: That's exactly right. Something probably harder than a physical opponent is battling your own mental health and uh to your point i think that a lot of times when you know as fighters in particular you don't want to show any vulnerabilities not certainly not emotional vulnerabilities but i think when you do it lets people know that you're a human just like them and we all go through this and even i can say even for myself when i've shared vulnerabilities publicly The outpouring of uh, support is overwhelming. And I think that that's exactly what's happening even with you. Like you said, I like him more now because I see that he's a real person and not afraid to address the emotional distress he's going through. And I think most people are rooting for you when they realize you're in that kind of battle because those silent enemies are like the ninja, right? They're like the, like the imagination. The things that you can't see, There's they're insurmountable and there's no limit to what can happen in your imagination. So to know he's going through that is... Um, it's it's a it's disappointing. I hope he gets better. I know you do too. And uh, hey, if it's if, if we were questioning it about his boxing skills eroding, he looked sharp considering how long he was off. He looked really good. not only like looked like sharp. You said. He was in but, with the right opponent, but he no, looked they picked good. the
1: right guy. But but still, he was tested and he could have failed and he didn't fail and and he looked good and he behaved good. He yeah. he he fought good, but he also behaved like a fighter still has to behave when yeah. when push comes to shove and in some ways this was the most important fight of his life yep, uh, you know I even agree. though he's won title uh, before and, and you know been, he's dirty and all whatever his record is but th- in, in many ways this for me this was the most relevant important fight in his life a fight for yeah. his future a fight to see if he could win if he could win over himself and there's no greater fight than that for your own survival, for your own existence as a human being, as a person. You can see it. You can feel it. And and you can see Ronnie Shields, and I give him credit, really. Ronnie Shields, former fighter, uh, number one contender at 140 pounds, fought for the title against Billy Costello, who who's a have trained in the gym with him at Gleason's back in the day, and I trained Billy for a little while um, later on, but then he at the end of his career, uh but he he decided to retire. Um good guy, good kid, but and a good puncher. And Ronnie Shields was number one contender, fought him for the title, came up a little short. Really good fighter and a and a good trainer. And I could see the compassion in his face. I could see he looked like a father who was protecting his son. I could see the worry, the concern. I could see it. It was it was palatable where I, I maybe because I look at those things because I've been touched by those things in my life and and those things kind of speak to me a little bit. Maybe I see it a little cl- more than maybe someone else to see it. But I could see Ronnie's concern, like he was putting his arms near on top of his shoulders, moving him pe- through, moving him through the ring, uh, taking him t- to the interview, and then staying with him, and then taking him past that. Uh, just. You could just see the 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 care, the as I said, the compassion, but the concern, the concern because he knew, he knew what he was dealing with. He knew what this kid was dealing with, where he was coming from. So, uh, I, I, he was, um, in some ways, for Benavides to to kind of close off on that, and I guess. I already said this already, and you were nice enough to say that people should listen to the difference in the way that I'm breaking it down, the difference of a guy who just will has to go to the end of the earth uh, to get to where he has, and where some people don't have to go that far to have victory. And Benavidez, the the one, of course, with Charlo, in, in some ways, his victory was a moral victory. Uh, and and I'll close on that—a a moral victory that he fought a bigger guy. He put forward a good effort. Um, yeah, he came up short, but um, his—if it's conscious or subconscious, and I'm sure it's part of both—his uh, his goal was to to put up a good effort and and to to never embarrass himself as a fighter. And and he did that. He did, but he's not his brother again, not just in talent, but in that kind of mindset.
0: Um, so
1: that's that's those fights.
0: That was incredibly thorough. Thanks for doing that. And One thing we always talk about with um, and not just worrying about your mental health, uh, your physical health, but also your mental health. And at the end of the day, they're all tied together. And one of the things that I take every single day in an effort to be on top of both mental and physical, because again, everything you eat affects your emotional state. I, I, this isn't, yes, it's an ad, but I mean this sincerely. Like the way you eat, the fuel you put in your body is going to directly affect your emotional state, the way you feel physically, etc. One of the things I do every day to try my best to stay on top of all my aspect, all the aspects of my health is take AG1. That's Athletic Greens. You can go to athleticgreens.com slash Atlas, and they'll send you 10 of these free travel packs with each purchase. You'll get the 30 serving multi-bag and you'll get the 10 free servings. I take this with me every single... Time I travel. I'm going to Austin this week to um, host a shakeout run. Anyone in Austin want to run with me? 7.30 in the morning on Wednesday. On my Instagram, you can see it. But go to athleticgreens.com slash atlas. Get the 10 free travel packs. But more importantly, look, this stuff is made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. So you're not getting a bunch of chemicals like you would in a vitamin from, you know, your local pharmacy. Athletic Greens makes all, their, all the vitamins are extracted directly from food food it's a green powder you mix it with eight to ten ounces of water in the morning honest to god it couldn't be easier to take it costs less than a cup of starbucks coffee and it's actually good for you so check them out athleticgreens.com slash atlas get the 10 free travel packs support the show more importantly support your own health and immunity athleticgreens.com
1: couldn't get better advice couldn't get more honest and really better advice and look the good thing about Ken saying this and endorsing some and doing this, obviously it helps us pay our bills. We we get it. We're, we're not trying to pretend anything like anyone else. But we only really back things that we believe in, that we have true experience with, that we say, okay, we like this. We like it for this reason. We don't like it for that reason. Um, that's the first thing. But you know the saying, the proof is in the pudding, the way Ken takes care of his body—I mean, he's—he's he's over fifty and he's running marathons and and with speeds of less than two hours and thirty minutes. I mean, that's incredible for anybody at any age, any age, any age. But at over fifty, and you look at him and you see the pride that he takes, but you see the and and taking care of himself, but you see the work that he puts in to maintain, obviously the the body that he has which gives him the ability to do what he does at this age in these kind of just test of endurance both mentally and physically nothing i mean other than a fight in a ring i can't think of too many other things that could test your resolve and your physical uh, aptitude and endurance more than a marathon there's there's not too many things so you're hearing it from a guy who's not just doing it because it's something that's convenient to do, that hey, it helps to show we do. Doing... This guy is a guy who's practicing what he preaches. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. You and for me, if I'm gonna listen to somebody about something like this, I'm gonna look at the person and I'm gonna say, does it make sense to listen to him? <laughs> And I'm going to say it makes damn sense to listen. When I look at him, I look at his body, I, I look at what he's accomplished, I look at the way he lives his life, and the results that he's getting in that, in that domain of life, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to listen to him. I just want to say that.
0: Thank you Teddy you're going to make me cry. I will say this and uh, I mean this sincerely and I've said this in interviews anytime I do anything like especially winning a big event like the one that I won in uh, Gobi Desert in Mongolia and I told Rob this I've tell everyone when I did something when I do something like that I from the bottom of my heart I feel like I just represented my entire team that includes this show my family a small group of friends that are kind of in my day-to-day life that I train with and work with. Like, I really, really believe this. And if you believe that, then you also believe that your people are there with you when you lose. And, and and if one of your friends had a setback, you'd be the first one to get over there, pick them up and be like, hey, A for effort. At least you're out there trying. Let's get it. Let's We don't lose. We just learn. But it's incredibly heartwarming to win stuff like that. And hear you say things like that, Teddy, and to be able to share my successes, whatever minimal successes they are, to be able to share them with your friends and your people, that feeling to me, like I said, it can move me to tears. Like I I genuinely believe that and have, and, and I always say, The reality of the situation doesn't really matter. What matters is what you're telling yourself because just like you can tell yourself you're depressed, the world's fall, the sky's fall and everything's going to shit when you're in a depression, you can also do the same thing with positive vibes and tell yourself, my people are here with me. A win for me is a win for all of us. And when you have that feeling... You get to win a lot because you can genuinely appreciate when other people win in your world that you're along for the ride. And I know you feel that, Teddy, when you've had fighters win world titles and you're like, we did this. Okay, you weren't throwing punches, but you were part of the process. And the fighter is just the one in there throwing them. But no one wins alone. No one's an island. So thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. I can hear Rob in the background saying yes and shaking his head because... Rob's also an incredible uh, marathon runner, and will eventually surpass me in the coming uh, uh, probably he's, months. In some ways, he's, he's a, a protege. He and
1: he's, he's a piece. He's going to be the guy that you passed the uh, baton to, so to speak. That's uh, it. Hopefully,
0: no, we're in our 60s and 70s, winning our age groups at the uh, <laughs> at the marathons. The but, last um, thing. The last thing you. I want to
1: close off. Well, you're welcome. The last thing I want to. You earned it. The last thing I want to close off with. The, Charlo uh, Benavides' fight is that from a tactical standpoint from a technical standpoint in the ring to win that fight for me the key was Charlo I know he's the bigger guy we get it but Charlo was just more consistent using his jab and controlling distance for me that was the key there was spurts where Benavitas was you know making it interesting exploding with some shots here and there um, and spurts But Charlotte was much more consistent throughout the night uh, offensively. But he mapped out the territory he needed to map out to give himself a real advantage. And that territory was to use, to get a little separation, use his jab, and control, you know, control range. Um, And he did that. And. It allowed him to, again, it allowed him to just to control the rhythm of the fight um, and, and as I said, to be more consistent offensively throughout the night um, and more effective. Uh, So I I thought that was something where I give credit again for uh, obviously Charlo's IQ, which is all part of being a champion, being successful at anything. Uh, It's not just the physical part but also his team and Ronnie Shields, part of that team.
0: Yep. Well, let's get into one of the uh, undercard fights, which I thought was incredibly entertaining. We briefly mentioned this before we started recording. Subriel Matias in tough against Shojan Urgachev. And uh, from the jump, I was like, damn, this kid Urgashev, I don't know if he's uh, Uzbekistan, but Eastern European, um, I was like, damn, this kid looks really good. I think in the early rounds, I thought, oh, this is inevitable. He's another one of these tough Eastern European fighters just going to walk him down. But actually, the reverse happened. Matias just slowly broke him down, slowly broke him down. And eventually, Ergashev quit in the stool. He was pointing to his leg or, you know, it's a hard word to tell to say quit, that someone quit. And so I don't want to cast dispersions, but from my eye and i'm curious to get your opinion Looked to me like he quit obviously he had some excuse he was pointing to his leg or his crotch and uh but you know we've also seen guys in there begging to continue to fight and their eyeballs hanging out or their ear is hanging off so it's very odd to see a guy from this part of the world quit which is what it looked like he did and matias gets the win just i, I was just shocked by everything that happened in this fight and i'm dying to get the uh expert opinion here what'd you see in the fight and what'd you make of the stoppage
1: it wasn't a matter first of all it wasn't a matter of Ergushev breaking down matthias styles make fights and everyone has their own you know physical abilities their own physical talents and assets uh and Ergashev's physical assets and style is to control range. <laughs> he's taller, he's longer than Matthias. But control range and don't allow the guy to, to make ground on you, to make him pay a price, to mug him when he tries to go through that neighborhood, as I often you know, use that term, to make him pay for real estate. He tries to come in two feet, you charge him four punches.
0: Teddy, one quick clarification. He's he's uh, he's in he's from Uzbekistan, okay. uh, Ergoshev.
1: It doesn't matter where you come from. What matters is That's right. what you become. You don't know what someone is till you know. You don't know who your friends are till they're tested. You don't know how good a doctor is, how good a, a lawyer is, how good a teacher is until they're challenged, until they're in a uncomfortable situation into their in a situation where there could be a little chaos where they're tested where it's it's not prime situation where it's not everything rosy uh, with that old saying you don't know who's your friend into the it's not sunny out you want to you don't want fair weather friends you want friends that are there when the weather's not good same thing with a fighter same thing with a lawyer same thing with a teacher same thing with a parent I don't care whatever your job is and that's the greatest job of all and the most important job of all being a parent. We need better parents nowadays would would help the world a lot. But at the end of the day it's it's about how you perform whatever your task is, whatever your your job is, how you perform when it's not easy to perform. When when you're tested, when 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 things are not sunny all the time when things are not you know of 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 perfect uh weather of perfect conditions uh where you have to overcome something and that's always going to be the case it might not happen for two years in your career three years but it's always coming. No matter what your talent is, and Ergo Chef was twenty-three and all with twenty knockouts. I think that's what he was. You can see that he's a southpaw. He's a good puncher with the left hand. He's got good power.
0: Yeah, Teddy. I just just to clarify to you, exactly right. He was twenty-three and oh, coming in with twenty knockouts, and and my, 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 Yeah, I just now, want Mateus to was nineteen right. and, Ma-
1: and one Ma- with nineteen <laughs> knockouts, right?
0: exactly this was on paper like a f- incredible match and it started Sorry, off that way no
1: sure. and it started off that way and urges again to win his style his strength are to control the outside Matias' strength is to get close and to weigh you down to break it down to just be relentless to be a punching machine to 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 just be an unstoppable force that's what he is he he in some ways he's not as talented as Ergushev, quite frankly, but he can punch uh, but more importantly, it's his resolve it's it's his mindset it's it's his character if you want to go go that deep but it's 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 the mental makeup that makes Matthias special. His style, his abilities his assets, he needs to be in close domain, close quarters to use them. He can't use them really on the outside. So that means that he needs a little cooperation. He needs you to either allow him to get inside or he's got to find a freaking way to get inside. And Ergachev kind of let him get in a little bit, but Matias found a way to get in. Ergoshev you could say he fought the wrong fight geography-wise. I always talk about geography. Whoever controls the geography uh, that makes sense for their skill sets is going to have a better chance of winning. Uh, the geography, again, Fergushev had to be to control the outside. For Matias, had to be inside. He wasn't going to win on the outside. I said this on ProBox where I was doing this show with Pauli Malinacci and Chris Algieri. I, I said the same thing breaking it down Matthias got his geography ergushev a- allowed him yeah he got convinced by the by the force of Matthias by the just the 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 desire the the, the just the mental the just the mental resolve of matias the the determination of matias to get to where he wanted to get to at the end of the day urgeshev not yet at least in his career doesn't possess that strength he can punch like hell with the left hand he he's a talented guy he knows how to fight especially on the outside but he has not developed that talent that ability. i don't know if he ever will Maybe this fight will put him on the path to doing that. Maybe. Maybe. But this was the prime example of when you hear me talk about, and you've heard me say this, where when there's two people in there, no matter what it is, but two people, in this case in the ring, with top skills, with skills, physical skills, of a, obviously of a certain caliber. And they start to contest those skills it always winds up becoming a battle of will it evolves from a battle of skill to a battle of will always always unless one man's skill is so far superior that the will never gets tested like uh example like michael jordan playing a kid in junior high school that kid could be the toughest freaking kid on the planet with the greatest will on the planet, but it don't matter. His skill level will not allow him to get to the point where the will will be challenged, where it will make a difference. And that's this was Exhibit A of what I talk about. This was this was a poster child of will versus skill, and will, from my standpoint. Just like my mentor, Kostamato, always told me, Will will always win. Will will always win. And Will won. And it's that simple. I could go on for two hours about this fight. The will of Matias beat the skill of Vergeshev, who has not developed that kind of will yet. That simple. And I'll go a little further. <laughs> I'm not blaming no one, but I always call it the way I think it is. Doesn't mean I'm right. And, I'm, and I say it right down the middle. No matter who's on the sideline, to, to be, you know, touched by it. <laughs> Whether it's a friend, not a friend, somebody uh, that I know it's going to, uh, you know, it could benefit me to say something a little gentler. Uh, but no, I'm benefited by one thing. Saying what I believe, at least, to be the truth. And from my experience of, Fifty years in this business, you've heard me say this before. Are you doing a fighter a favor when you build his record up? And I'm not saying Ergo fought nobody, but he never fought anybody to prepare. And I'm not saying you're supposed to fight a guy like Matias until the time comes right, because you it's that it's that consequential of a fight that Dangers of a fight. You got to wait till you're getting paid. You got to wait till you're whatever. You're to the right crossroads of your career. But you have to have something in between before that to prepare you for what's coming. You, you have to have something to prepare you for. If you're a fireman, if you're a fireman, the first time you go into a five alarm fire can't be the first time that you've been around flames. Yeah, you, you know, you, you you can't have been uh, you know around what uh, um, a barbecue and think that you're ready, you know, a barbecue that got out of hand. You know, you put too much of that food on there and whoosh, the flames went up. You know, you you had to get a an extinguisher and you had to put it out. Okay, Oh, a kitchen fire! Grease got on fire. Whoa! You know that 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 could be that could be what it could be. Yeah, but that can't be your preparation for five alarm fire. It ain't gonna work because you get it in the five alarm fire, and you're like, holy, sh- you know what? Uh, <laughs> and 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 you, and you get you get melted down. The flames don't even have to melt you. Just the significance of them, the moment of them, the fear of them, that's right. the the just the enormity of it, will 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 consume you the same way a flame consumes you, and that's what that's happened. Right. Ergashev got consumed by the five alarm fire. He he got consumed, and he got broken down. And I watched it, and I will tell you the truth. I I saw it coming. I saw it coming. I saw the possibility of it coming. I even said to a, f- a dear friend, David Boleyn, who's the lawyer for the promoter of... Uh, oh, I spent
0: some time with David at the charity dinner. Always great speaking to David. Such a smart guy.
1: Yeah, good lawyer, good person, and and, a, and been my friend a long time. And he, and his help, the foundation... Uh, just like Keith Sullivan, like my daughter, very blessed uh, to have him. And I think he feels the same way, for the other side of it too, for, with us. Uh, I'm but,
0: sure he does.
1: But at, this, at the end of the day, he, he is the lawyer for Dmitri Salida, who is the promoter of Ergoshev. Does a good job, does a good job. Uh, he's not one of the giant giant promoters but he's 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 moving up there trying to get into that next that next position uh that that uh, that, uh, that uh, you know and and he's been doing showtime fights There's no more showtime but he's been doing showma he's going to also be in Saudi Arabia with a bunch of the power promoters uh with with a uh i believe with a fighter um so he's in, he's He's in a mix of, of the promoters, to be aware of, and and just a little off of that next line, uh, of the four top guys. You know the the top ranks. to obviously match room and you know Warren and De La Hoya. I guess is still there a little bit. Um, and and then who's the uh, PBC? Uh, I don't know what's going to happen Al with Al Well, I don't know what's going to happen yeah. now with, with Showtime. Obviously, Fox is gone. Those were the places where obviously he did his business, where he developed his fighters. Uh, you know, if you were a farmer, you just got your farm taken away. You know what I mean? Like if you're a farmer and you're, uh, you're building crops, you're, you're, you're growing crops, right? You're growing fighters, right? And, and all of a sudden, someone came in and said, yeah, you can't grow them here no more. What? What? <laughs> uh, where am I going to grow them? So that's going to be And maybe there's a guy, I'm not saying anything that I know anything. I'm just saying from my own mind and my own experience in, in this business and, and maybe for what I want too because I think he would be good for the sport. But uh, don't sleep on a name, name some name named, uh, let me see if I can remember that name, uh, Dana White. Don't sleep on that. Uh, who knows? Who knows if, you know, we're all down a little bit. We lost HBO years ago. We lost Showtime now. We lost Fox. <clears throat> we lost the networks years ago. But, you know, what else is going to replace them? There's always something and don't be shocked if somebody named Dana White don't ride in on on his uh, horse.
0: He obviously knows the production value. His production value on his shows compared to a boxing show is like night and day.
1: Listen, he knows how to build a brand. He knows how to run a business. And um, he knows combat sports. And
0: uh,
1: listen, boxing needs, boxing needs help right now. Boxing needs somebody to fill that void. I mean, you don't need Teddy Atlas to tell you that, but it needs the that's, right person to do it. And, and one of the right. reasons to avoid his there is we haven't been putting on competitive enough fights down the road uh, consistently. Uh, weekend and weekend, I'm not talking about when you put the big ones on, you throw a bone to the audience. I'm not talking about that. They, they don't happen often enough. I'm talking about on a consistent basis that you give the fans what they want competitive fight they don't need the biggest names but they need competitive fights where they don't know who's gonna win before the fight ever takes place you don't want to go to a movie theater if you already know the ending of the movie people don't want to go to a fight if they already know the ending of the fight before it starts so Dana White knows how to do that
0: the other thing I'll say is the production value now before all the haters attack yes they have certain advantages clearly the UFC has a ton of money but they created that they they, they were losing money. He turned it into a money maker and he invested back into the sport and I know I'll pay the fighters, blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying pure production value. Dana's is the first one to say boxing puts on a boxing show like it's a going out of business sale. Meaning, how cheaply can we do this and not worry about the next event? Those guys at the UFC, their event is so streamlined. They put on the not just competitive fights, but everything about it. They keep the action moving. There's not a shitload of filler in between each fight. They have a contingency plan. First round knockout. We're going to jump to this. Fighters are going to be ready. You know, however he does it. But the other thing I'll say just quickly about Dana while we're doing a uh, Dana White appreciation post. For a minute when I took my son to see the UFC in Boston, the way Dana treated him for no reason. Dana doesn't need to be nice to me for anything. He probably barely knows I'm alive. And when he saw me, he was like, hey, what's up, Ken? And when he realized my son was with me, this guy there's no he has no reason to want to do this other than to just be a good person. He comes down, kneels down with my son, takes him around. In between the main event and the co main event, the fight, I mean you're talking like the meat of the event He comes over to me, grabs my phone, takes my son, takes a picture of Cameron with Rogan and DC during the broadcast, brings him into the octagon. Bruce Buffer picture of him holding Cameron's hand up. Again, Dana has no reason to want to like be extra nice to me. He just knows me from this show. But when he saw my son was there, my eight-year-old son, the things that he did for him were, I mean, my wife said to me, does he think that Cameron is part of, like, Make-A-Wish? Why was he doing all this? I said, I think he's just a good person and appreciates that this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience for me and Cameron because it was... So, Dana White, thank you. Appreciate you. If you anyone who d- thinks they know Dana and might not like him, like, you're out of your mind. This is a this is a nice guy. He's just extreme truth-teller, and you might not like what he has to say, but he tells the truth.
1: Yeah, listen, you were nice enough to say this story once before on, the, on this show, but uh, you're... Listen, I, I'm glad you met Dana through this show and to being with me, and I'm, I'm glad that he's, I'm I'm glad that we weren't disappointed in the person that he is, because you can be disappointed when you meet people that are, uh, you know that that successful, and but Dana is there's one thing, no matter what you say, the accolades you can throw at him. There's some people ain't going to like him, just like they're not going to like you. We try to, me, we try to be decent people, I think, but they're just not going to like him for different reasons, and that's okay. But there's one thing that you can't say about Dana, and that's that he changes according to his environment or or to the people he's around he's consistently a straight shooter now that you might That's not right. now if you don't like him part of the reason you might not like him is because he will shoot it straight he will tell you what he thinks and he will be loyal to friends that you might not like too much or people and and he won't change that because suddenly those people aren't there and only you're there and he'll tell you what you want to hear for that moment, which a lot of people do in life. A lot of people do in life. I don't think you should do it, but but that's part of that's part of everyone having a different character, a different makeup. But I appreciate someone who's I appreciate a fighter that's consistent in the ring. I appreciate a human being that's consistent with their behavior as a human being. That they will, no matter who's in the room, no matter whether he, they, he knows they want to hear this or don't want to hear it, or like I said, his, uh, it's, uh, it's somebody that maybe has something against someone around him and that person's not around, so it would be easier to go along with and say, yeah, that person, I get it, I understand why you're saying he's an idiot or that. <laughs> He's not gonna do that. There's something for me, you you know, like that movie Jerry Maguire, where Jerry starts apologizing to his girlfriend and or his wife and starts saying this and that and that and she says, Stop. You had me at hello. Dana <laughs> is the kind of guy that he has me in one way. He has me where I know whatever he says he believes and I know that he's going to be loyal and faithful to those beliefs, whether they're in business or in, in personal uh, areas with people. And I I appreciate loyalty. I appreciate straightforwardness. I appreciate someone being honest when it's hard to sometimes be that honest. I appreciate that. That doesn't mean I agree with them all the time. That, that doesn't mean I can't see where other people would say, oh, freak this guy because of some of those things but for me if we could have more people that could shoot it straight that that could tell you what they feel no matter what's gonna come from it at least you know where you freaking stand and and, that's right and 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 to me that that's important that's and and again I'm, i'm i'm not a the being a i guess i am saying nice things about but they're things because they're important in what i want from everyone and i appreciate from everyone if i could get those 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 qualities and and he doesn't need me you know he's he doesn't need me putting out a a dana white you know uh, uh appreciation party but since we got on that subject I. it's not complicated. What I'm saying is it's not complicated. If you tell the truth and you stay consistent with those truths, you know, and you don't sway uh, because of the audience or who's there and who's not there and you're consistent, that's going to be appreciated in life. That That's going to have a worth in life. That That's going to pay off for your life in some areas and, and in an area of a person like me appreciating it. You know, you don't need to be, uh, you know, one of the things that people hate about politicians, you never know if they're being sincere. I like a person (laughs) where you just know they're sincere, where they're not going to change their, uh, they're not going to change their, inflection of speaking and and their they're not worried accent. if there's a, there's they're no gonna if there's their a their camera they're not going to change their <laughs> accent or w- the the inflection they give when they speak are uh, because of their audience <laughs> whereas where that's all right. of a sudden they change changed the way that they sound normally because their audience uh is a particular audience that might put that's that right. might actually uh That might be attractive, too. That's right. To finish with this Chef, Matthias. Yes. At at the end of the day, we swayed off that, but I think that it was put forward, what had to be put forward. Will beat skill. And like I said, you, you have to develop a jab. You have to hit the bag. You have to develop a defense. You have to be taught to move your head or your legs or block. Those things have to be practiced. There has to be drills for those things. Well, guess what? There has to be practice and drills for improving a will, for improving your aptitude to handle something that is difficult, something that's not comfortable. You have to learn to be comfortable in an uncomfortable environment. That's something that has to be practiced, you know. If you want to suddenly you decide, you wake up one day and you watch you know, National Geographic, and you said, "Dad, man, I I want to be an Eskimo." Yeah, I want to be an Eskimo. I love the way that they cut holes in the ice. They make igloos, and and they and they they catch a seal, and then they cut the seal open, and they they eat. <clears throat> but they also use the blubber to make different. I, I I just had outdoor life. To, I want to be an Eskimo. All right, son. Well, we better turn the the thermometer that down in your room uh, a little bit. You 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 know you got it seventy eight degrees in there. Uh, we might have to drop it down a little bit because you better start getting used to the life of being an Eskimo, because they don't live in rooms that is seventy eight degrees. Same thing. And and for me. That's part of your job as a trainer, part of your job as a manager, as a promoter, that you have to prepare your fighter for the environment that ultimately they are always heading towards, which is an uncomfortable environment. And so, yeah, you want to build their record. Yeah, you want to get them to the promised land. But to truly be able to get to the promised land, you have to be able to be ready when that moment comes, when that, that signature fight comes, that you're prepared for it. And it's always coming. So it, it might take 23 fights till you get to it. 16 sometimes, sometimes 25, whatever it is, but it's coming. And you have to have, again, I could see that he was missing that, that he didn't have that in his resume earlier you know, I'm not saying you had to have Matthias again, but you had to have something <coughs> to prepare you. So it wasn't that an extreme of an experience as this was at the end of the day. And when I brought up David, I don't think I ever finished with David Berlin, but I was saying that to him uh, he was over at my house, him and his family, we invited them over for Thanksgiving. And we were talking about that fight because he is the attorney for Salida and obviously does a great job for him. And he was asking me about what I thought about that fight. And I basically said, I know more about Matias than I know about Urkachev. I know Matias will not fall apart. I know that he's got to get close to win. But I know that... He will be relentless. He will never give in. He will never he, he will never come up short in his effort mentally or physically because he has been formed into this fighter. He's real in that way. I know I know what I can expect from him if the temperature gets turned way up. If if it's difficult for him to get inside for five rounds, six rounds, seven rounds, whatever. I know he's not falling apart i know the way i i know what his constitution is i know what he's prepared to do but i don't know what your guy's prepared to do that's the difference i know style wise your guy probably should win if 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 it was that simple stand on the outside he, he's uh, he's a southpaw. control that area don't let the guy get too close to you make him pay a price you know then turn him Tie him up, whatever. But fight in your geography, you know, because the burden was on Matthias to have to take the chances, to have to get close, to have to get inside. And he did get to where he wanted to. And I was right in that way. I knew that Matthias would do his part. I wasn't sure if Ergoshev, from a mental standpoint, could stand up and do his job. And he wasn't able to. He got broken down. I don't, I'm not in his body. I'm not going to say if he quit or not, but it looked like he did. I've been in his business 50 years. I'll tell you one thing. He said his leg, nothing definitive. He just said my leg. And then later on, he was standing up and he was talking to Matthias. Like, it didn't look like he was, you know, holding on to the rope or, or had to have assistance to stand up. And again, I'm not in his body. Only he is. I don't know but I've been in the business long enough to make probably an educated guess that there's a good chance that he got his leg didn't get broken his spirit got broken and 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 I'm not afraid to say that because if I'm wrong I'm wrong but I'm usually not 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 because I don't say it unless I have real good reason to say it from being around it so it doesn't matter what matters now is what he does moving forward, what he learns from it or if he doesn't learn from it what 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 he faces or doesn't face in the future to make himself better in those areas that that that's that's what matters, but as far as he didn't control the dom- the the geography ygoshe that he needed to he gave in he he gave in to the flames. He allowed himself to be consumed by the flames. Like you're supposed to stay outside those flames, he actually fought inside. People would say, "Oh, he was trying to be a tough guy. He was trying." No, he wasn't in control of himself enough to fight the right fight. That, that, but then why did he go kamikaze? Why did he go? You know, fly right into the aircraft carrier? Then why did he do that? Or why? You know, why? Why did he? Do what was safer, what made more sense, because you can't do that unless you're mentally strong enough to do it. Because it takes strength to do that mental strength to stay out there and stay off. Otherwise, the pressure gets to you, you give in to it. But why you give in? You get more beat up. Yeah, you get more beat up. That comes with giving in. When you give in, you get more beat up. When you give in, life takes you different places. Because you give in. You no longer control your destination, your, your destiny, if you will. And, and it takes strength. A lot of people don't understand it. A lot of people say, Teddy, it takes more strength and more character and more toughness to go fight a guy like Matias in close. No, it doesn't. That's kamikaze. That's giving in. Because at the end of the day, you're allowing yourself to be consumed. At the end of the day, you didn't outfight out fight him on the inside. You got burnt up on the inside. You didn't outfight fight him on the inside. But to fight them on the outside, where it would have been safer, would have been strategically smarter, <laughs> it takes a, a strong will, a strong belief, a strong discipline to say, I'm going to maintain that range and continue to throw those punches. Because the flames do start. So they do start to melt you. They melt you in here. They melt you down and get you to give in a little bit. And next thing you know, you're fighting in a place you shouldn't be fighting, getting hit with punches that you shouldn't be getting hit with. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, he 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 chose that. No, he gave in to that. That's what I'm saying. And it's hard for yeah. some people to get their minds around to, to really get their minds around that. But Matias is a guy, I'll buy a ticket to watch him fight. He's got me for life because he yep. fights like a champion and he behaves like one all the time. And you know what? It, it, I believe him. It ain't never going to change. Yeah, because of his upbringing, point. whatever it was that made him this way, the things that he's faced in life, and there was things, I guarantee you, if you started to look and you started to investigate his background, you'd find the, the reason for him being the way he is. But he is, right. he is that way now. He has become that way. He's the real deal, like a Holyfield. He's the real deal. He, you have to beat him. He is not going to make concessions. He is not gonna make submissions. He is not going to cooperate. You have and you can beat him. You control the outside. This he's not impossible to beat. He's got one well, Bergeshev
0: looked good early. He looked good early. He just couldn't keep it up and
1: like Costamato said, Teddy uh, there, there's no champion there's no belts handed out for looking good early there's uh, there's no that's right. there's no world yep. titles for fighting good for four rounds or three rounds or yep. five rounds or six rounds
0: well
1: yeah and that's I all part of you. the deal and that's part of the talent that i try to explain that it's not just a physical talent that's talent that's ability that's something that has to be formed so anyway at the end of the day I I always watch Matias. He's fan friendly. But more important than that, he's he's a guy you can depend on. He's a guy that ain't gonna That's disappear. If he was your friend good point. He he's a guy you call at three in the morning. You know what you know what he's not gonna do? He's not gonna say it's three in the morning, why are you call me? You know what he's going to do? He's not going to quit no, on the no, stool. No, no, no. He's, he's not, not. going to have any excuses. No, no he's not going to say, hey, Teddy, you call me three in the morning. What do you call me three? No, he's going to say, where are you? And, and I'm in the car. And, and, and where are you? Give me, give me 10 minutes give me 10 minutes if i can make it five i'll make it in five he's dependent he is what he is
0: you know who else is like that teddy you because for the boxing purists out there that wanted a breakdown they just got more intel on matias than probably every other podcast combined who glossed over that one and went right to the meat and potatoes of the main event but that's a thorough thorough analysis of matias and ergashev quite frankly but for the people who, uh, who like to complain about the show. And you know show, who I want to compare this guy this to?
1: If there's any historians out there that follow the history of boxing. And I know there's some. Michael Silva, he listens once in a while. He's a great historian. But he's a throwback fighter. I don't usually use that term. But Matias is truly a throwback fighter. He really is. And when I see him. And I'm almost embarrassed to put this name up, but with him, I'll put it up there because this guy's so great. This guy has had such a mantle for me. He is in a special place where you shouldn't mention this guy's name with with any of the fighters for the most part, uh, you know, other than very, very few. But he reminds me a little bit of Henry Armstrong, who's probably my fi- favorite fighter. Over 200 profiles, 110 knockouts, whatever he had, um, uh, uh, he, he he won when they, when there was one champion for every division and only one division, full-time divisions, no junior divisions. He won the featherweight, the lightweight, and the welterweight title and defended them simultaneously in two and a half months. And Fought for the middleweight title against Severino Garcia. And, and they made it a draw because he wouldn't do business with the fellas. He refused to do business. So they made it a draw. They robbed him. He should have had four full titles. Not in between titles. Four full titles. He had three defending him simultaneously. The guy was a monster. Maybe one of my favorite fighters of all time. And, and he put his head on your chest, and he worked, and he moved you back. You weren't moving him back. He was an unstoppable force. He, he was a force of nature. And there hasn't been many fighters that have made me in any ways think of comparing him to Henry Armstrong. And this guy does. Another one he compares me to, some people you don't understand, fine. But for me, Aaron Pryor, Aaron Pryor, for a certain period in his life, before drugs destroyed him, he was that guy. Oh yeah, I just figured I finished with that.
0: Well, hey, before we uh, wrap up, what happened? Uh, oh no, we got two more to go. Let's go over to the UK and talk on the, the talk about the the zone card. Uh, Keithy e. Sullivan's guy, Patty Donovan, put on a, a boxing clinic against Danny Ball, took him apart. I mean, I, Paddy looked so comfortable in the ring. It's just he's just one of those guys where you're like someone. Oh, someone's gonna have to have a, a ton of talent to beat this kid. He looked incredible. Danny Ball looked like he was completely out of his depth, and uh, old Paddy took him apart in uh, in Ireland. So yeah, how'd South you po- like it? Was Keith was no. Keith happy?
1: Yeah, very happy. He was over there too, because um, that's what he is. He goes over Keith. You know, he's not just gonna be a manager. He's a co manager with the trainer of Donovan and he's got the right trainer in Andy Lee, former world champion, also a Southpaw like Donovan. <laughs> so he's got the right guy teaching him and managing him. And he's got the right guy in Keith. Because Keith's not gonna be a manager just in name and just in you know, just just an appearance of you know, like a figurehead. Uh yeah, he's a manager and he no. He's gonna He's going to do what fighters, what I always kind of insist fighters, top fighters have to do. Not only fight like a top fighter, behave like a top fighter. He's going to behave the way a manager to show. He got on a plane, he went to Ireland, and he was there with his fighter for the most important fight at this point in his career. He stepped up, and he made me look smart, Donovan. I'll tell you why. It's hard to make me look smart, but he made me look smart because I had said on our show last week, I had said that Donovan was the, for me, was the top prospect, uh, Irish prospect. And I, Ireland's having a, a renaissance in boxing. They used to have great fighters, you know, years ago. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, it slacked off a little bit and it's coming back big. It's coming up back big over there. The The crowds are, are there. Uh, the The fans are there they they're great fans just like we have great fans you know in all areas in in boxing uh whether it's the Mexicans whether wh- wherever it, wherever it is but over in London you have great fans but Ireland has always have a a history of the fans being involved in the sport backing the sport uh having really their own great fighters and it's coming back and there's some good prospects out there, but Donovan, I said it last week before this fight. For me, he's he he's he's in front of the line. He's 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 the first guy, as far as the line of prospects. He's number one for me, and for me, he he kind of uh, he argued my case pretty well. Where he went in there, he had, you know he stepped up in this fight. Uh, I I get a kick out of it. His, forget, Before I even talk about his ability in the ring and his, you know, obviously his boxing style, his boxing acumen, I just loved the way he had a perfect haircut, meticulously groomed, <laughs> and he reminded me, you're going to laugh. Here's another one for the history, historians out there. There was a great fighter. One of the greatest fighters of all time, so I'm not playing around here. I'm not just saying, this this was a guy that's just a good fighter. I'm
0: going to name a guy. Anytime Teddy says I'm uh, not playing around here, you better pay uh, attention. I'm going to name
1: a guy who's probably on the top 10 of greatest fighters in the history of this sport, which has been around longer than any other sport. Uh, And that's quite a statement. There was a fighter, middleweight champion named Harry Greb. And he he probably had 300 pro fights. And he probably had 100 of them with one eye. Where where he had a detached retina back in those days, they they you know they they didn't uh <laughs> they couldn't fix a detached retina. Plus, uh they you know he could hide it where they didn't have the examinations the way they do today, where it would have been found out. So he probably had a hundred fights with a detached retina that they didn't know about. Um, and he had close to I think it was close to 300 pro fights. Uh, he was the he was the he was the Pittsburgh windmill. I mean, he'd, he'd never stop throwing punches. And his hair was always perfect. He he, he had his hair groomed. He, he was a stylish guy. He was, you know, Cus used to say, if you're, if you're going to fight like a great fighter, look like a great fighter. Well, he followed in that sort of way uh, of of what Cus would talk about. And he had his hair perfect. And, you know, he took pride that, the way he went in there was the way he finished with his hair. Donovan is the first fight I could think of in a long time that actually made me think of Harry Graham in that way. And then that he, he, he... Listen, the hair means crap if you can't fight, right? Uh, we're not going to be talking about the hair if he, if he can't fight. But the way he fought, but the way that his hair... It looked the same after the fight as he did before. It was like one little piece that was out of place. I I had to mention some about that. Uh, you got to be pretty good to fight a f- whatever amount of rounds that was. Where to go? Three, four rounds uh, without your hair getting even mussed a little bit. You got to be pretty good. Uh, bottom line is, in all seriousness, uh, first round there was a lot of action, but uh, Donovan landed. Uh, he's a southpaw. He, he landed a he landed a a a straight left hand, i believe uh and then uh, I thought that was enough to win the first round. Then the second round, he started taking control he uh his style for Donovan, he controls range real well. The only thing that I would say is a negative that he's got to be careful of. he's got to correct his chin is up a little high. Got to tuck that chin a little bit. The old times would say it's uh, like a lantern in a storm. You, you got to put it down a little bit. But he, he's, you know, he's got a real good amateur pedigree. Uh, he's been in there with good fighters. Uh, he's obviously has a chin on him, but still, you don't want to expose it. Uh, I like the way in the second round that he, he controlled range and he went to the body. He used his jab as a measuring stick. Uh, I think he's got to snap it a little more sometimes, but he was pushing it, but I think he was pushing it because he knew what he was doing. He was using it as a measuring stick, looking to set up his power punch, his left hand from the southpaw position, and uh, he did a good job. His, His style is to get in and out. And... If you couldn't really perfect that style, you could be a son of a gun, because it's not an easy style to deal with. And he's doing it really well. Uh, He took his time picking spots. I thought that he picked spots really well. And I thought that what I took away from his performance was he's a sharpshooter this is a guy you know he's not gonna go mangle you he's not gonna go and just you know be a hurricane that's just gonna you know blow you out of the ring with you know pure power he's he's got good power but he's got he's technically sound and he's set up to be a sharpshooter a guy who's going to control range pick his spots and and really throw well-timed punches uh and he did. He really did a real good sh- job of that. He mixed up his punches really well. You know, when he had to change to an uppercut or to a body shot, uh, he he did a really good job doing that. He counted really well. Uh, he showed all dimensions. At the end of the day, he got the knockout in the fourth round, showing the dimension that, yeah, he could be a sharpshooter, he could control range, but he could also set traps. He took a little step back. Uh, got got uh, ball to reach in a little bit, and then he counted him with a nice jab and a straight left hand, and uh, you know, got the knockdown. Uh, really, really hurt ball. Uh, you know, really badly. And again, let ball walk in, step back. You know, gave gave him the opportunity to reach in a little bit. Uh, got him to walk in, set it up beautifully. punch dropped him, and then. After after ball got up, I loved the way Donovan finished. He showed the ability to be a finisher. First of all, he opened up with a fuselage of punches. That's the only way I could describe it. He opened up with just a million punches, had him on the ropes, Uh, kept him disoriented with all those punches. A lot of people would say he wasted the punches. <coughs> he didn't really waste them. He knew what he was doing. He was disorienting the guy and maybe getting the guy, flushing the guy, out, kind of like when you go hunting and you have you know you have a pheasant say in the bush and you you want to force him out where you could get a clean shot so you you shoot a shot uh behind them and then the pheasant flushes out and then you got the clean shot uh and then you have dinner right that's kind of what he did I don't think a lot of people would appreciate it that way, but he opened up with all these punches that looked like you know not all of them were getting in real clean, and and what did it do? Sure enough, it flushed ball off the ropes, looking for reprieve, looking for an escape, and when he looked for the escape, what was left open? The body, and he placed a beautiful left hand to the body, and that was the end of the night. So, I was uh, I thought it was a an impressive performance by him, and uh you know he beat uh, again he his hair was never ruffled i i love that uh he he beat more to the mark with uh, the straight left hand you know as ball was loading up with his own left hand uh in that spot where he stepped back and set that trap uh showed showed accurate punching uh you know showed Showed what I would expect him to show if I'm going to call him the number one prospect coming out of Ireland. So, and then that, yep. of course, set up a, really a incredible war with Cameron Taylor, too, their second fight. The first fight, Cameron was just too big, too young, too strong for Taylor. But you know what? I had said before this, I thought Cameron would win this rematch, and it was very close, but... The great ones, she's 37 years old now. Taylor, and she's been in a lot of tough fights and she's she's at that point. She's in the twilight. She's at that point uh, where you got to start thinking about getting out. But she's still got plenty in her. Obviously, she showed that. But the great ones, as Customato would always tell me, Ken, and I said that last week on the show, Breaking This Fight Down, The the great ones have the capacity to... Even when they're getting a little shop worn or long in the tooth, they have the ability to put it all together on one more night where the boxing gods they call on the boxing gods and and bring back what made them great. Bring it back just for one night and she brought it back. She brought it back again with a bigger, stronger, um, aggressive very good uh, fighter besides strong and aggressive she knows how to fight um she's a lot younger than taylor it was she brought it back taylor i wasn't sure she could but the great ones can and she did she brought it back i don't know if she could do it for another night they're gonna have a trilogy now i know the money's there i get it two great fights Have the trilogy, maybe then she rides off to the sunset. For me, she should probably ride off to the sunset now, and I'll tell you why. And and she might go and beat Cameron again, but I'll tell you why. Whatever she's got left, she used a lot of that to win this fight. And you get to a point, even the great ones, where there's only so much left. And I just don't know what's left, but I know that she caught on whatever was there. On this night i don't know if she could call on it again maybe she can because she is special gold medalist i caught her fights uh in the olympics when i was calling them for nbc so i know her for a long time the kind of person the kind of fighter that she is and she's tremendous in every area she didn't become this great great fighter with just talent she did it with character with perseverance, with all those attributes, with all those talents that I often talk about that are not quantifiable, where you can look at it and see the speed and see the see the explosive power, but they're they're just as important and even more important because you can't use those physical talents without those talents, so at the end of the day, um going in, I thought. From a technical standpoint, Taylor had to be a sniper. She had to pick her spots. Uh, she had to move, not stay in front of or engage too long uh, with, with the stronger, younger Cameron. I'm going to give you the quick uh, whole synopsis of the fight. First round, here's where it gets a little dicey. Part of what I think Taylor used to win, and, and it was fair, She's fighting at home in front of all beloved Irish enthusiastic fans. She rode the emotion of the fans. She, she brilliantly rode the emotion of the fans. I, you can see it. She rode that emotion. Yeah, you're in the ring alone. The fans are in the. But you know what? They are in the ring with you. At certain times they are. And they were with her. And she just rode that emotion. I mean, she can't ride it if she's not a great fighter. And if she's not doing the hard work, but she she was lifted the same way as a, a, a sailboat gets lifted when the sails get you know filled up with air with with a wind that that wind comes out of nowhere that wind that 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 wind of emotion of love of enthusiasm from those Irish fans really did her sales so to speak she she had a great fight plan again she picked the spots she knew she couldn't engage too long but being home one of the other advantages you get home cooking sometimes home judging home refereeing hey it happens I think she got a little bit of that I think she earned the win before I even go through this I think she earned the win very tough very close, but I think she earned it, and she got it, but in that first round, Cameron scored a knockdown, and it wasn't counted, it should have been a knockdown, it should have been counted, a punch lands, she went down, I mean, how much more simple does it get, a punch lands, you go down, knockdown, not on the shoulders, not on the arms, but on the the head, the chin, so anyway. They didn't count the knockdown. That would have made a difference. 10-8 round would have made it was that close. Would have made a difference. But we have to move past that. It didn't get counted. Sec first round. So the first round, I give it to Cameron. The second round to Taylor. Very close, and there was a lot of close rounds. Uh, Taylor beat it to the really beat it to the mark, and then got out. Uh, in 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 the second round, and the round said she did well. That's how she did it. She got off, she got out. She countered very well, too. Mixed in, getting off first, and counter-punching. Beautifully, beautifully. Third round, Taylor was picking spots. Again, snipering, uh, countering well. Uh, You know, the one thing that I have to say, did you watch the fight, Ken? Yes, of course. Teddy pointed, my son Teddy... Pointed this out to me. He's so sharp. That's why he's one of the best scouts in the NFL for all those years. He sees everything. He pointed out that they're both in braids, and they're both in black and gold trunks. It was damn hard to tell them apart. And really, that—that's where the it
0: really was. Yeah, that's, <coughs> that's a where good point.
1: the point. That's where somebody came up short. Really, that's someone's job. Really, to I know that sounds inconsequential, but. Uh, there's more important things, I understand. But that's important for the audience to be able to differentiate, and especially on TV. And that's where the matchmaker, that's where the promoter, that's where somebody has to pay attention to detail there and say, wait a minute, somebody put on different color trucks. You can't both have, flip a coin, whatever you want to, you can't both have the same color trucks. Anyway, um, but their styles were different. Uh, one was coming forward all the time. The other one was pot-shotting, looking to counter. That was Taylor. Uh, as I I made a note to myself that the crowd's helping her. She's riding the emotion. She wins the third round, picking spots, moving, You know, tying up the younger, stronger Cameron when Cameron got in close. Uh, she did a good job of that. Uh, Cameron... I said to my uh, note here needs to be free with her hands when she gets inside. That that hurt, Cameron. Where when she got inside, she's stronger, she's younger. She needed to have her hands free, and there were there were times when she wasn't able to have her hands free. Where Taylor did a good job of tying her up, uh, and that was a that was important. That was important. When she had her hands free, which she did later in the fight. She did damage. She did damage. And she being Cameron. Fourth round, I gave it to Cameron on her jab coming forward. Uh, coming in behind the jab. Close uh, close round, uh, you know, because Taylor was picking counter shots well. But um, I gave the fourth round to Cameron. Fifth round, it's the jab and the aggression of Cameron Versus the legs and countering of Taylor. I give the fifth round to Cameron. Sixth round, very close. Taylor counted, got off first uh, in spots. Uh, I gave the round to Taylor, very close. Round seven, quick right hands. She's got a beautiful straight right hand. She used it against Salerno in Madison Square Garden. The first time that a a woman's fight was the main event in the great, great, uh, iconic... Uh, Madison Square Garden. Uh, that was an unbelievable fight with Serrano. Taylor used straight, quick right hands to win that fight and to pull that fight out of the fire, which that fight was a very tough fight. Uh, round seven, quick right hand scoring for Taylor. Uh, great seventh round. And uh, close round, but the right hand of Taylor's at the end of the round, gives her the seventh round. Eighth round, big round uh, for Cameron. She showed her strength. She showed her physicality on the inside. Again, she got her hands free. Uh, And I said a note to myself, the key is when she keeps her hands punching in there, doesn't get smothered or tied up. She's got the edge. When she gets tied up, then on the outside, of course, Taylor has the edge. Eighth round, good round for Cameron. Ninth round, Taylor went back to get North first. Cameron stayed on the outside, tying up and close. I give the ninth round to Taylor. Full disclosure. Always get full disclosure here. I don't know who won the 10th. I got distracted. It was like, I'm not going to put a name in there I didn't, I didn't. that I don't... That I can't stand by so a lot of people are going to be like come on Teddy you're kidding me nope I'm being honest the 10th round <laughs> it was another close round um, Taylor you know I don't I actually made a note to myself I don't know about the 10th as far as scoring but Taylor won the fight with her experience her smart emotion of the crowd she rode and her ability to rise to the moment, as the greats do for one more great effort. And, and uh, so here's my scorecard, just so you understand. I did, I did score it. Uh, I had it going into the 10th round. I had Taylor five rounds, Cameron four rounds. So again, fully honest about this. If I gave the round to Taylor, and I'm not saying I would have because it was very close, but if I would have gave the round to Taylor, she wins six rounds to four by two points. If I would have gave the round to Cameron, it's a draw. That's how close. That's how close the fight was. Um, I, again, uh, you give it close, the score that was close to, for Taylor, no problem. I forget what the scores were. Do you have the scores there? Because there might have been one outrageous score. Uh I think there was one for it was a, I believe it was split, right? If they're close, I have no argument. You know, draw one point for Taylor, but if if you're given a if you're given a fight we by had,
0: um- we had one judge had it even just like you ninety five ninety five yeah. what you could have had yep. uh, and one had it in favor of Taylor. <laughs> one guy had ninety eight ninety two. I wonder what. Take fight he take was his watching. license they, uh, away.
1: No no take his license away. Take his license away. Uh, really and um
0: only two rounds for ta- to, for Cameron and then the, th- the third judge had it just what you just described 96 94 so two of the three basically saw it more or less the same way you exactly. saw it and one guy was like clearly had his filled out beforehand
1: yeah terrible and and again if if, I'm, if we haven't ever had a national commission uh, I'm r- right there uh, very politely you know you don't have to get nasty but very politely uh please turn your license in monday morning Please just drop it off and <laughs> you know, just drop it off at the office and um good luck with your future endeavors as long as you're never seen in boxing again. Uh good luck. That's or, it. you know, oh no, that's if you wanna buy a ticket and come to a fight, that's fine, but you'll never be sitting ringside with a pencil in your hand ever again because you did enough damage. But we have one more, right? We have to
0: Yeah, well are we just gonna do a, a uh, real preview, quick preview of the uh Quick preview, uh, Ryan Garcia and Oscar Duarte coming up this week, and what do we need to look for, who's going to win, and everything that goes with it. This segment brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Check them out at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code ATLAS for 50% credit on your first deposit. Teddy, give your uh, analysis, but before you give your prediction, let me pull up the line. So tell me what we should look for, and I'll tell you what the line is when you're done.
1: Listen, Duarte is... He's 26 and 1 with 21 knockouts, right? Am I correct with that? I believe so. I want to make I sure. so. you Yeah. 26 and 1, 21 knockouts. Oscar Duarte. He's a, this is what he is. He's a real opponent. He's, you know, obviously. You
0: got it. 26 and 1, 21 knockouts.
1: Obviously, the money guy here, you know, the golden goose, the guy that they want to protect. Is Ryan Garcia. He's coming off a knockout loss to a great fighter, one of the best fighters in the business, um, to, to Tank Davis. Uh, this is a, obviously, if he's going to continue his career, he's going to have a win and hopefully a good showing, uh, does does uh, Ryan Garcia. But this opponent is a real opponent. He's, he's strong physically, he's aggressive he's uh you know he's got a good mentality uh a, a aggressive guy that looks to o- capable of overcoming difficulty in the ring which all fighters should be capable of doing if they're going to go anywhere he's a good body puncher like i said he's he's always bringing the action to you uh, he, he loves to use his left hook his left hook is a big punch whether it's to the body or the head uh he does throw a lot of single shots, but he will put combinations when he traps you on the ropes. If he can trap, he wants to trap you on the ropes. He wants to get in close. He's not going to win on the outside. The one shortcoming I see with Duarte, and I see a lot of strengths. I, like I said, I see physicality. He's a good puncher. He's not a great puncher, but he's a good solid puncher. And he throws everything hard. He throws everything hard. He's a guy that's always looking. For power shots. He looks to get in position and throw power shots. When he comes up short, or where he comes up short, he doesn't use his jab enough. That's where he's going to have a problem with Garcia. Garcia's going to be able to control him on the outside with the jab and look to keep distance with his jab where he can then counter... Duarte, who is predictable. I mean, he's aggressive. He's he's not going to suddenly get on a bicycle and you know go left to right. He, for the most part, he's going to go straight forward. And that predictability, with the lack of a jab coming forward, can really serve Garcia in the way that his connections, his people, wanted to serve him. You know, in choosing his opponent, where he can he can keep him busy with the jab and set him up for counters, you know, set him up for, you know, straight shots off of the jab. That's what you would figure that is going to do. Control the outside, use the jab, keep the wadi at bay, and walk him into shots. You would think that that's what he's going to look to do, uh, even walk him into his counter hook. And Garcia's got a... Ryan Garcia's got a very good counter hook. Uh, so... At the Let end me of, give you the line. Yeah, at the end of the day, I, I think that... Well, go ahead. Give me the lines.
0: Got uh, Ryan Garcia, pretty big favorite here at minus 450. you getting plus 280 back on uh, Duarte.
1: Yeah, look, Duarte, they picked him. They're not dumb. They picked him for a reason. But I also am seeing that the guy's a live dog. He's a live dog in a way that he's a game guy. He's you know, you can he's gonna give you a full effort. He's gonna be aggressive until you make him not be aggressive by hurting him if that's what you can do. Uh as I said, his shortcoming is he doesn't jab enough. If you're gonna be aggressive, you better put some bugs on the windshield, as I like to say when I was calling the fights ringside at ESPN all those years where you use your jab to destroy Blur the vision of the guy on the outside. So when you're coming in, it's harder for him to time you, harder for him to picture, to pot shot you. Without the jab, it's going to be easier for for uh, Ryan Garcia to pot shot him, to catch him coming in. That That's the one thing I see a big advantage possibly for Ryan. Uh, if he can get in close and keep his hands free trap him on the ropes, it's going to be very interesting. One of the other shortcomings of Dwight, or flaws from a technical standpoint, Dwight does something that I always say, don't do. And if I got the fighter on the other side, I say, look for an opportunity to take advantage of that. And what that is, is he'll sometimes load up. Lead with the left hook. Yep, you got it. He'll load up with the left hook. you You've heard it before. Here he'll <laughs> load up with that big left hook coming in. Maybe even jump in with it a little bit. And if Garcia's is ready for that, uh he can time it with a straight right hand because straight beats round. It's that simple.
0: Well, I know Ryan listens to the show, so that's one tip that he should be picking up on right away.
1: Yeah. And that so that's he's got two things. One he could score with the right hand, maybe in between the hook. The other is he can try to Really dominate the fight with his jab. Keep Duarte from getting to his sweet spot, uh, his comfort area, which would be close inside where he can do the work that he likes to do. I'm going to... Duarte needs to get close. Garcia needs to keep him outside. I'm going to say Garcia gets his way uh, enough to win the fight. Maybe even set up a good counter opportunity where it can hurt Duarte coming in. Have an opportunity to do that. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna go with Garcia. And uh, if it's a close fight, you know who's getting it anyway. You know, it's it's ov- right. obviously going to be Garcia. So I'm, I'm gonna go with. Uh, unfortunately, I wish I wasn't saying that in my sport that I love, but it's a reality that that's just the way it is. But I'm gonna go with. I'm going to go with Ryan Garcia, but it could be interesting and and at least worthwhile watching because, like I said, Duarte's real. He's real in a way that, you know, he's physically strong and he's got an attitude that you want in a fighter to try to get to you, to come forward and try to get to you. So um, uh, what's the under-over? Because that might be where you don't have to lay so much.
0: If you're gonna bet on this fight, please go to my bookie, mybookie.ag promo code Atlas A T L A S. The over/under on this one, Teddy, is eight and a half rounds, basically even money, minus one fifteen. Either or over/under eight and a half rounds.
1: I'm gonna say it's gonna go over. I'm gonna say it's gonna go over. Duarte's interesting, experienced enough, tough enough. Unless, like I said, unless he throws one of those left hooks at an inopportune time, where right hand's coming. But other than that, um, I'm gonna say Duarte's seasoned enough, like I said, tough enough, uh, good enough uh, to to get into the late, you know, beyond eight, what eight and a half, right? Yeah,
0: eight and a half rounds. Well, there you have it, guys. That was as thorough an episode as you're gonna get anywhere in the industry. Almost two and a half hours. Thank you for allowing us to spend Tuesday morning with you if you listen to this right when it comes out. Um, we'll be back next week, obviously, to break down all the action from the Ryan Garcia fight, plus there's a UFC card that will be all over per usual. Teddy, you got anything before we say goodbye?
1: No, just um, be good to each other. How's that? Be That's good it. to each other.
0: That's it. Happy holidays to everyone. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving and we'll be back with you next week, per usual, rain or shine. Have a great week, everyone. Please like and subscribe to the show. We appreciate you.